morning, everyone. My name is Sam. Um, glad to be here to worship together. And um, this morning, we, as the scripture reading was done, we're going to look at uh, what happened just after Easter. So we've seen the Bible passage that, that was read, and let's get into it to see what happened with this man, Peter, and the things that he did, and things that he mucked up, and how Jesus came to his rescue. And like uh, it was the, the introduction was done earlier, we all, like Peter, mess up. And thank God that Jesus is there to restore us. Shall we pray and come with this word into his hands? Father, we thank you that we can come before you. Lord, we can worship you, give thanks, participate in communion, knowing that you are our Lord. We come this morning with open hearts. Thank you for your word that you have preserved for us. Bring us under your word this morning. Lord, we pray that your word will have an impact in our, on our lives, changing us and molding us like the way you want us to be. So, Father, we give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to look at Peter and Jesus confronting Peter with this question. Peter, do you love me? We live in a time with much uncertainty. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what happens next week or, or midweek or even tomorrow. There's so many questions asked. The coronavirus, canceled flights and holidays, can't just book anything. We don't know what, what, what happens. Closed borders. When will life back to be normal? What about mask wearing? Reopening plans. The vaccine. Schools and workplaces shutting down around the world. And we are so glad to be in this country. It's so much different from things happening around the world. And besides all this, we have our own worries, our own struggles. We have our own doubts and fears. So in this Bible passage, we find the disciples of Jesus in a similar situation. Not sure what's going to happen next. Their leader, their master, Jesus is dead. They did not expect this to happen. They did not expect to turn out like this. They hoped that Jesus would overthrow the Roman rulers, and they would have some kind of a peace. And now, the stories of the resurrection of Jesus is spreading. And the disciples are wondering, what's all this? What's going on here? And things are about to turn differently for Peter. So at the very end of John chapter 21, Jesus and some of his closest friends are sitting by the beach having fish 
and bread for breakfast. I thought we'll put fish and chips, but the Bible says fish and bread. So we'll stick with that. So the picture is they're having a breakfast. In verse 15, when Jesus turns to Peter, this is what he says. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then the whole scene is repeated again in verse 16. But Jesus asked the same question. Do you love me? Now Peter, probably thinking, okay, Jesus, you've got that question, but I'll let it slide. After all, it's been a, been a big couple of days. A week ago, Jesus was dying on the cross and the whole uh, coming back to life thing is happening. A big week. And so Peter answers, of course I do. Then Jesus says, take care of my sheep. But, the things, but things get a little uncomfortable for Peter because Jesus comes back with the same question the third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus was putting Peter under the spotlight. Words are easy. But do you really love me, Peter? What about when things get hard? What about when you feel like throwing in your towel? Will you continue to follow me? Do you really love me? And just a reminder for us, friends, this morning, Jesus uses imperfect people for his work. Isn't that a relief? He doesn't expect us to be super, super men and women. He doesn't expect us to be perfect people. God uses imperfect people for his work. Now, can you imagine Peter probably squirming under the scrutiny by the stage? He is put on the spotlight. And for good reason. Because when he considered Peter's track record, it doesn't look so good. His track record, Josephus, the governor of Galilee, he knew the Galileans very well. And this is how it describes. This guy was a first century historian who lived in the uh, time of Jesus and the apostles. Uh, probably died when the last of the um, gospel testament was written. So he knew exactly who the Galileans wa was. And, he, and this is how he describes them. They were, they were ever fond of innovation. Just keep Peter in mind as, you, uh, as Joseph has described who the Jewish people were ever fond of innovations and by nature disposed to change, delighted in sedition. They were ever ready, ever ready to follow the leader and to begin an insurrection. They were quick in temper, given into quarreling, and they're very chivalrous men. Wasn't Peter like one of them? Peter was also a Galilean, typical of, of, of many of other disciples. See, you see, Peter is an interesting guy. He's like an uncooperative and a difficult uncle who turns up at the party. He can be a life of party one moment and next moment a killjoy. He can say something incredible and the next moment he steps way over the line. Just read John, the Gospel of John, and you will see plenty of times where Peter puts his foot in his mouth. 
He's also a guy who's always over-promising, making big promises, but failing to come through on them. Just a couple of weeks before this encounter with Jesus, Peter had made a very big claim. He is talking to Jesus in front of all the other disciples. And Peter says, I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. Wow. All these other clowns around me might chicken out. But I've got your back. I've got you covered. I wonder if you ever made a similar bold claim for yourself. I remember when I became a Christian, I made a claim like this. I said, Lord, I will follow you with all my heart. I will see every person in this world, one for Christ. So I took a pack of tracts, went to the nearest university where I had studied, and I started giving out these tracts. So as people took these tracts, some of them made a ball, threw it on me. Another guy made an aeroplane out of it and threw it at me. I said, that's it. That's it. I'm giving up. I packed everything and I went home. Here in Peter's life, Jesus isn't convinced with Peter. So he follows up on Peter's boast when Peter said, I've got a back covered. He asked another uncomfortable question in verse 38 of John uh, chapter 13. This is before the death and resurrection of Jesus where Peter made this claim. Jesus asked him, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter thought, yeah, we'll see. We'll look at that. Peter, Jesus said, Peter, you will be the first to abandon me. And you won't just do it, but you will do it three times. The next day, Jesus is arrested. He's dragged before the courts. He's beaten and he's tried. As all this was going on, where is this man, Peter, who said, I will die for you, Jesus? You know what he does? He follows the soldiers who betrayed Jesus, who arrested, uh, sorry, who arrested Jesus. He follows the soldiers. He's on the wrong side of the camp. He's with the soldiers warming himself in front of the fire. And three times Peter was asked, aren't you one of those Jesus guys? Aren't you one of those followers? Each time he replied, I don't even know him. He openly dumps Jesus. The one who said he will lay down his life for. The one who was about to die for him. Peter walks away. Well, we'll move forward a week after Easter. Peter got, his whole, uh, got, a, got a whole lot of honest conscience. He knows what he has done. And on that day when he denied Jesus three times, as Jesus was dragged away, he looked at Peter. And that look told Peter everything. Sure, a lot has happened since the night of his betrayal. Jesus has died. He's been buried. And three days later, he's risen from the dead. Jesus appears to all his closest followers, proving that he was really alive. But that was no use for Peter. He is still the one who turned his back on Jesus. He is the one who walked away. He is the one who denied the person who he, he ate with, who lived with for three years. And so completely lost, deflated. What does he do? He heads back to his hometown, to Galilee. 
the north side of the country. He puts a sign on his front door, gone fishing. That's exactly what he did. He goes fishing. And in our reading on chapter 21, John chapter 21, verse 2 and 3, Simon, Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. And what does Peter do? See how many he takes with him. Sons of uh, uh, Nathaniel, sons of Zebedee, the two of them, and the other disciples, whom we could assume is Andrew and Philip, six of the 11 disciples, one of them was dead. 11 disciples, six of them, Peter takes with him. And he says, let's go fishing. Verse three, the word I go literally means I'm going back to what I know and what I'm used to do. Because there's nothing for me here. And even in that uh, 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 surrounding where Peter knew very well, even there he struggles. Because scripture says they fished all night. Not a single catch of fish. What a frustration for these experienced fishermen. All night in his local area, in the sea that he knew all his lifetime, couldn't catch a single fish. I met a fisherman in Suva, Fiji. He was a Muslim man. He fished and he fished and he fished. He caught nothing. He was so angry with these huge American trawlers that was passing by, catching all the fish that he was supposed to get. He was so angry. He was bitter. One o'clock, he takes out his prayer mat, puts it on the shore of Sua, kneels down and begins to call upon Allah. And he curses these trawlers for coming over to Fiji and catching all his fish. And as he was cursing them and bitter and angry and frustrated, he sees a man standing by the sea in white clothes, asks him to come over. And he goes over and he catches a big haul of fish, just like Peter here, after the trawlers have gone. He couldn't believe it. He comes home and he tells his wife, this is what has happened. I saw this man. I can't get this picture off my head. I want to know who this man is. So as he was going to his mosque, there was a church. He stopped by and he asked them, who is this man that I saw? And those people said, he is Jesus. And they showed him the incident where Jesus appeared, I mean, told Peter like this. And this man is a Christian today, reaching out to a vast number of Muslims in Suva, in Fiji, telling them about Jesus. Because for him, when he cried and he asked for Allah to appear, he did not appear. Jesus appeared instead. What a glorious testimony of a man like this. Well, here for Peter, it, it didn't happen. It was a big letdown. This isn't going well for Peter, having taken half of the disciples of Jesus with him. God was not through with Peter yet. And God is not through with us either. He's still working on us. There's hope for us this morning. There's help for those who have tried and who have discouraged and who feel like giving up. 
Because we see another 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, we find Peter, this very man, who had disowned Jesus, this man Peter, standing up in the crowd. And with one sermon, 3,000 people come to the Lord. This man, Peter, what happened? What changed? What happened now where he had denied Jesus and he was deflated and discouraged and frustrated? On the day of Pentecost, he's standing up and preaching. What happened in between? God restores Peter. The angel appeared to the women at the empty tomb. This is remarkable. This is what happened. Mark chapter 16 verse 7. But go, tell his disciples, and isn't that remarkable? And Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. He tells his women, go tell the disciples, and Peter, this is what happened as Jesus was resurrected. thinking of Peter, one who denied the Lord. Because he said he needs to know that he is risen. That's amazing that Peter was included specifically in this place, in, the, in this uh, uh, passage. The women tell Peter that Jesus was going ahead to meet him there. So Peter is off to his hometown. Imagine Peter's feelings about meeting Jesus during two or three days of journey from the south Jerusalem to Galilee in the north. He must have been thinking, what would Jesus say? What is he going to tell me? Very likely he was struggling with the denial of Christ still. And what would Jesus say to him? For he had failed him so miserably. And the very best Peter can hope for is a cold shoulder from Jesus. We move back to John chapter 21. Here Jesus confronts Peter with questions. Jesus appeared on the shores of Galilee where Peter was fishing. And this passage has, has a command and questions. The question that, Peter, that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Jesus is having a fire going with fish and bread on it. He's already got fish there. And he has asked, the miracle has just taken place in the sea. But Jesus has already had the, the, the divine providence of Jesus. Peter sitting next to him with the fire, with the fish and bread on it, he remembers. Peter remembers. The last time he was there in front of the fire, he was warming himself with the soldiers on the wrong side of the crowd. Peter remembers. He remembers that he had denied Christ. And Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Asks him three times. Or every denial is like hitting an undo key. Undo, undo, undo for all that Peter had done. Jesus doesn't ask Peter that he has learned his lesson. Jesus doesn't ask Peter if his faith is progressing. Jesus doesn't condemn Peter saying that if he's finally going to get his act together. All that Jesus says to Peter 
all that he asks him, do you love me? He did not condemn Peter. He, he did not say, Peter, you blew it badly. You've got to work on some kind of a penance system where you can work off your sins over a period of time. If you really tried hard and get, to, get your act together, maybe I'll take you back. Friends, God's grace doesn't operate that way. Penance is not a biblical concept, but grace is. God is a God of grace, which is unmerited favor we don't deserve. What is he saying to Peter? You have been forgiven. I'm going to overlook everything you have done. You have been completely forgiven. And in turn, do you love me? The question before us, friends, is do we love him? Do we love Jesus? And Jesus asked this question uh, the third time, do you love me more than these, these boats, these nets, your friends? What about us, friends? Do we love him more than these? My money, my job, my possessions, my spare time, my hobbies, my reputation. Do I love Jesus more than all these? Where does Jesus stand in our priorities? Loving him is not a tingling feeling in our hearts, it involves more than that. For us Christians, that is the start, it's the beginning of a commitment to Christ. Do we love Him? And if we love Him, we will obey Him and follow Him. Here's a command in verse 19 that Jesus gives Peter. Peter, follow me. Things seem to look up for Peter. So here again in verse 10, 20 and 21, Peter turned and he saw his disciples whom Jesus loved following them. This is the one who leaned on Jesus back at the supper as he said, Lord, who's going to betray you? And Peter saw him and said, Lord, what about him? Very typical of Peter, isn't it? He tells Peter, I'm ready to follow you. Here am I, Lord, but what about him? Jesus strongly tells Peter, Peter, just follow me. Don't worry about anybody else. Just follow me. Friends, what a reminder it is for us. Let's follow him. Don't worry about anyone else. Let's follow him. And history tells us that Peter went on to die on the cross for Jesus upside down. Conclusion, friend. God is always there for us. His love is greater than our failures. Christ's love is based on the grace, not on human efforts. We don't have to try hard. Do things to win His, his, his love. He already loved us. Bible says He loved us even while we were still sinners. And Bible says in Romans, nothing in all this world can separate us from His love. He loves us. Whatever you've done, no matter how bad you've messed up, know this, just like Peter, you are loved, forgiven, and restored. He is in the process of restoring us. So in all this, in this world of uncertainties, chaos, and confusion, Jesus offers hope and restoration. And so friends, Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's look to him. As we have seen this morning in the life of Peter. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Do we love him? And if so, are we willing to follow him wholeheartedly? Shall we pray? 
Father, we thank you as we looked into this word. Thank you again for the wonderful opportunity that you have examined our lives by examining your word. And because of that, because your word shines a light on us, it discloses us, it reveals the thoughts and intents of our heart. Help us, Lord, to be motivated by your love, for you are over everything else. And just in that simple way, we want to follow you. Not asking about somebody else or what others have done, but what you have for us. Lord, we want to be used by you with all our weaknesses. We feel like Peter. We feel so frustrated, let down, disappointed. And we want to say, Lord, we love you in spite of being mucking things up. And Lord, thank you that you know our hearts. Lord, you know that we love you. Help us to serve you. So Lord, we want to count. Would you count us faithful? Know our hearts and know that we love you. We desire to follow you and in doing so, that we might be found useful in your work. Father, this is our prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friends, and God bless you. Got any questions? See me after the service. Thank you.